Stupid fucked up, wicked high Don't you ever just wonder why We didn't learn the true history But now they're about to teach you and me Yay, let's do it. <laughs> it's happening. Took a little hiatus. Yeah, we need to do take a little break because also I'm Abby and this is Liv. I'm Liv. And she was gone. She left us I went for some home time. to Pine Plains, New York and yeah, spent some time with the fam. Not much of a vacation, but you know what? Family, like when you go visit family fun. though, it's not a vacation. It's literally like I don't know why I gotta thought it see was these be. people. Oh yeah. yeah, no, you are not relaxing. You go, go away from your family to relax yep. like you don't go yeah, towards true. them that's then true they cause a lot of anxiety and stress but yeah so it's been a while i mean it's not going to be a while to people because we'll just release you're these when we choose to yeah, yeah. well i hope you're binging it i hope when we say <laughs> it's been a while you know it's been like 25 minutes that'd be nice like maybe you had to take a break <laughs> right? to like uh, do your dishes well you could listen to us while you do your dishes um and this is untold high story yeah where podcast. we tell stories while being very very high i would say mainly about women but i'm open if we find some some <laughs> things about men, yeah. there's a man in mine. Oh, is there? He doesn't get a lot of recognition, but he's there. He he did some things. Cool. Yeah. Which then I guess, I mean, we can just dive right in, just get right into that nitty gritty. Yeah. Did you want to go first this week? I can. I really don't remember who went first last time. So we could just say, fuck it. And even if I did go first last time, I will go first again. That's chill. Does that sound like a plan? I like that. I like that. Yeah. I'll let you get good and high. Smoke this. Off of some very good Massachusetts marijuana. I doubt anyone from this company would be listening to us. And I honestly don't remember the name of the company. But I forgot to tell you, I found the ultimate job. Where you literally sign up and once a month, if you live in a state where weed's legal, they send you products, CBD oils, edibles, actually weed, like strains to try. And you review them and you get to try them. And then you write up a little review and you take pictures of the products and you do all this cool stuff. And then you like just hype it up basically, and then you get to try a bunch of cool new free products. Where do I sign up for that? I don't know. I Googled cannabis jobs on Google and it popped up. So I might look back and I'll find who you are. Wow. Yeah. Hundreds of dollars worth of products. Very amazing. Yay. So we just get to go dive, diving on in. Who are you doing this for? I literally use the terms deep dive and on in. I found out about this woman a long, long time ago, and I Mm -hmm. finally want to do her, a piece on her. Her name's Marie Curry. Now it's Marie Curry, but it didn't used to be. So I just want to mention because I used to use Wikipedia a lot, but now I found that Britannica is really awesome, mainly because I think a lot of my people are from like Europe and that area so that I've just been pushed towards Britannica. My sources are Britannica, this Nobel Prize website, which will give you a hint as to some amazing shit she did that the Nobel Prize wrote about her, and her own foundation, because she found her own foundation as well. So, originally she was born Maria Sklodov... Sklodowska? Sklodowska? Ooh, nice. Polish, I'm trying. In 1867 in Warsaw, Poland. And she was the youngest of five children. Very, very poor family. Okay. Like, both mom and dad were school teachers. School teachers don't get paid a lot right now, so think about in, like, 
the 1860s, they were probably paid like a fucking penny mm-hmm. a day. I also room. think that's why she was so driven to learn and like collect knowledge because she got to read a lot from her parents and do all this cool stuff. She initially wanted to follow in their footsteps and be a teacher, but you had to pay a lot of fucking money to be a teacher and like get all this education and she didn't have enough money because she was so poor so she couldn't do it. Right. So instead her older sister at the time lived in Paris and she's like cool I'm just gonna come live with you in 1891 and like move to Paris. Okay. Mary Curie. So I've yeah I definitely have never heard of her in my education I don't think. Oh never. Never. And once I get to the end, you will see why it was so important that she should have been taught about because she did a bunch of cool shit. It's 1891. She's in Paris with her sister. I don't know how this happened, but she did have enough money to go to this place called Sorbonne University. And she was studying physics and math, which at the time I think is very unhurt, you know, like for women to be doing anything of that sort. And she was fucking amazing at it. Like so, so smart. So in 1893, I didn't know this, but you have to receive a Licenships. <laughs> Sorry. Struggle. Her licensure in physics and mathematical sciences, which I'm assuming it's just like a degree to say yeah. that like I did all that shit and yeah. I know what's going on. She started to work in multiple laboratories at the school and then that's where she decided to change her name from the Maria spelling to Marie. So instead of an A at the end, she just switched her name and was like, I'm going to be known as Marie now because I'm French. That is how I'm going to describe her going forward. So she is now Marie. It's 1894. It's probably a lot easier to change your name back then if you think about it. It. Oh, she probably did. She literally probably just started doing it. Yeah, just started when people would be like, oh, who are you? She'd just be like, Marie. And they'd be like, okay. There's no legal no. process. No one gave a shit. I hear it's well, hard to change your name. It is. It's a long process. And this is where she fell in love with Pierre, which is my favorite French name in the entire world. <laughs> so, yes. And he's also a scientist from <laughs> Paris. Mm-hmm. So they both become researchers together. And, like, they're just, like, a little scientist couple. And they research at the School of Chemistry and Physics. And they both were lecturers. And they worked in the laboratory. And they, like, were in charge pretty much of the chemistry and physics department, which is so cool. And then they used all that shit to find all this cool stuff. So this is where we dive in. Okay. To her cool shit. Cool shit. And why she's relevant. Why she's so relevant. So Henry Bequerel, he, at the same time that, like, Marie and Pierre (laughs) are doing their shit with science and physics, he is the first person to discover radioactivity in 1896. So the fact that, like, minerals are radioactive, you know, that he was the first person. And that's kind of as far as he went. He literally found it and was like, wow, that's a thing. And then was like, ha give me all my awards. I found some stuff. And then as soon as Marie heard about that, she's like, no, no, no. There's way more to this. It's not just radioactivity. Like, we need to learn more. (laughs) She did all this research for years and years and found that you could take the radioactive minerals and compounds and stuff and break it all the way down into elements. At this time, no one knew that you could do that. That you could, like, take a compound apart. So, like, compounds are a bunch of elements, like, smushed together, and that's what creates, like, a mineral. Like, sand or limestone. You know, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Her and Pierre work together, and they're the ones that find out that you can do this. So you can take this radioactive mineral, and you can break it down and break it down and break it down and find, like, the singular atom that created it. Wow. And the element. And at this time, they're all unknown. So in two years, she found 
found this out. It only took her two years to discover this and find the two elements that create the radioactivity that are like the sole reason that the object is like radioactive. Right. She, she named it radium and then the other one is polonium, mm-hmm. which she got to name after Poland, which is so cute. So she named after, yeah. In 1902, this is how she figured out how to separate them and la la and all this stuff. And then she was isolating these elements and using them and realizing that you can use them to make radiation. So like x-rays and radiation for cancer and all this stuff. She was the reason that she was finding all this out and going, I can get this one little element this one tiny, tiny thing. Right, to produce these insane medical results. Yeah, which is so sick. And How like, did we not learn about that? I though? know, and it took her fucking, like, no time at all. Right. Like, she is, and in this time, she is a fucking mom. Like, she is a mom. Damn. Yeah. And she's just like, let me go learn all this shit and put you all to shame. The only downfall to this, which is so, so shitty, is Pierre and Marie were basically giving themselves radiation poisoning because they were working with these elements without gloves, without any type of proper equipment. They were like- they didn't know the harm. No, they were boiling it. They were literally trying to like freeze it, do all this shit and all these scientific things to be like, what can this withstand? Like, what can this do or whatever? And the whole time we're just working in these like terrible fucking conditions and giving themselves radiation poisoning. So, oh my God. So that's like the main downfall about this story because it ultimately ends to Marie's death, which is really sad. And this is where they win their first Nobel Prize. So Marie and Pierre get to like split the Nobel Prize for physics and they gave part of it to Henry, which like, I don't think Henry did fucking anything. He literally just looked at it and was like, that's radioactive. I'm done. They all got a Nobel Prize for their work. And then while she's doing all this shit, she's a mom, she's finding all these cool new elements and she's just getting her doctorate in physics and science and like math and like all this stuff. She's just literally like, a fucking G. Yes, she is doing so well for herself. Sadly, Pierre in 1906 was killed, not from radiation poisoning, but he got in some like weird street accident and all it said there was like some horse and some cart and there was an accident and he died. But Marie then just happened, like got to take his position as the professor of physics and the head of the laboratory at the university Mm -hmm. because he died. And they were just like, well, do you want it? And she's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. of course. And she was the first woman to ever hold that position as the professor and head and all that stuff. Because it's like, what, the early 1900s at that point? Yes. So it's like (laughs) 1906 right now, 1907 is when all this is happening, which is so unheard of for women. Mm -hmm. And then in 1911, she got another Nobel Prize. So that's two now for her to create a means to... To measure it. So now she knows, okay, I found the radioactivity and I found the, the radiation and I know how to like keep it contained and mm-hmm. isolated. And then she discovered how to measure it. So like the right. strength and how to go, okay, we only want like this amount of radiation and how to like bring it down and bring it up and like do all of that. Wow. Yeah. So that's her second Nobel Prize. And then that's when she went one step further and <laughs> created the x-ray machine. Mm-hmm. So she was the one who create like when you break your leg yeah. or get a fracture she created that wow isn't that so sick and her first one was portable she created it because people in world war one weren't able to get treated correctly mm-hmm. on the battlefield and on the front lines because they had no idea if it was what a break was if it was a fracture if there wow. was like shrapnel so she created these little portable machines and her and her 17 year old daughter she literally was like you're 
going along with me. And they went to the battle, like the front parts of the battlefield and did all these x-rays on wounded soldiers. So then like the nurses and stuff could heal them. Isn't that so sick? And like, how? How have we never heard her name or any of that? Isn't that insane? I love her. She's so cool. She did all that. Yeah. What the fuck? Right? I've just never heard the name. I know. Ever. I've also never had the thought like, who invented the x-ray? Yeah. Like I've gotten x-rays so many times. Like think about you go to the dentist, you get x-rays. Yeah. Yeah. It's like for everything. Yeah. So crazy. This is when she starts realizing the potential of her Her discovery. discovery. And at this point, she's seeing everyone needing these x-ray machines. And she's like, there's so many, think about what hospitals could do. Mm It will revolutionize medicine. Yeah, Mind blown. Then she went and she took all her money and she created these laboratories and Mm -hmm. she hired the best people and she like wanted to further all of her research. So one was dedicated just to study radioactivity to just gain more and more and more knowledge on it and like best practices and how to like why it's, you know, and I think that's how they found out that it's like oh shit that's not safe to just be touching yeah, that shit you need to be wearing like vests and shit yeah and then her other laboratory was used to research radiation therapy for cancer patients and how to use radiation oh, to, to heal cancer to heal cancer yeah which is wonderful so wow. throughout her life that's what she did she pretty much was a professor a teacher still she won a bunch of awards because she was revolutionizing modern medicine because she continued to improve her machines and and learn more about cancer and learn more about what radiation can do for it and how to isolate it and do all this cool shit so she won a bunch of awards for it then she became a member of this like international commission mm-hmm. it's called international commission on intellectual cooperation oh she got asked to be a member of it i know i'm pretty sure what the like group does is everyone from the world like all from all these different countries like the top genius genius people all get together and like talk about their discoveries mm-hmm. and like further each other's knowledge basically to like do it as a world instead right. of like against one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. It's yeah. like, why haven't we been doing like why aren't we doing that more? Right. Like I feel like that's one thing COVID has helped us with a little bit. I mean, maybe not the US, but other countries with working together. The US is right. bad at it right now because right. we had a shithead. Well that's as like dude, a president. Wasn't but- it like the mobs they used to like give each other sons like a son mm-hmm. they used to like trade sons yeah and then so they would like learn about their enemies and like mm-hmm. learn to respect their enemies like yeah. culture and habits yeah. and traditions and well shit. and that's why with all the yeah the mobs how they had their little like parts of the city because it was like i respect you just stay in your field right like stay in your lane right we can be buddies and go out and have have a cocktail but yeah. like don't fucking do business on my side of town exactly. yeah yeah. So yeah, it's really cool. She's she's a, dope. she's a rad lady. <laughs> the final amazing thing that she did after doing all this stuff mm-hmm. and raising her other two daughters also went into science and became geniuses and like wow. had their like I could tell my own stories on them. Like yeah. that's how much shit they did after her. But in 1930, so now we're well into her life. She's like in her 60s, 70s, 70s. Yeah, I was gonna say almost. Yeah. So Marie Curie founded a hospital in North London and it was entirely staffed by women so it was an all-female hospital all women and it was for female Mm. cancer patients using radiology so it was a very specific clinic for women who needed radiology and they were treated by women 
and it was so fucking cool. Oh so that did its thing for 14 years, and then unfortunately it got bombed in World War II and was so badly damaged that there was they could not fix it. So then they took everything that they were doing as a hospital and turned it into a foundation that supports female cancer patients and then also to continue research in radiology. Now Marie Curie is just, that's like a foundation now instead of a hospital. Right. Unfortunately, she was diagnosed with leukemia in 1934 and literally like a few months later, she died. Yeah, yeah, she passed away. Every resource I found said that it was because of the radiation. A hundred percent. They were like, she developed cancer because she was yeah. not protecting herself. Look at the shit she did for humans. And it literally wow. killed her. Yeah. Which is insane. I'm surprised she like had healthy children, honestly. Right? Because all while she was doing this, she, during the heat of the, like the most of the radiation where she was like in it, like elbows deep in it. Mm-hmm. She had a six year old already and she was pregnant. I did the math. Wow. I did the math. She was pregnant with her younger daughter. Yeah. Around all that radiation. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I hope her daughter's normal. I guess I maybe I should look her up and I don't know if she well, she had, did like, all these great things afterwards. I'm sure she was normal, right? Who knows? Maybe she was a little weirdo. I don't know. And then it took, in 1995, they finally took her ashes and they were enshrined in the Pantheon in Paris. So she was the first woman to ever receive this honor for her own achievements. So this Pantheon in Paris, they like take people who like were really you know did a lot Mm -hmm. for whatever you know and then they get the honor to like have their ashes like housed in this like really pretty like tomb basically and yep first woman ever to receive that honor for like all the contributions yeah yeah isn't that crazy wow so that's marie curry and i can't believe we've never learned about her i know and when thinking about why we should have like looking back Mm -hmm. why she would have been so important is because you feel like every human being uses radiation Mm -hmm. to some degree right all the time like think about that if we never and not even just radiation like she figured out elements she figured out how to like the core basics of like physics yes and how to like pull things down to its like most basic 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 form which is so cool and the fact that like no science class I have never learned about that in any science I took a science and a physics class yeah and math you take so much fucking math right and you never learn about like the core players though yeah ever you never learn about the people that like made well i mean unless they're men i bet i bet you anything if i still had my high school math textbook or algebra or whatever yeah. it would have like excerpts of like oh this guy did this and whatever but i bet they're almost all men right probably no damn it mcgraw hill i know like damn it but yeah so basically just she did a bunch of shit for modern medicine and that's why i think she's super important well perfect segue yeah because yours is medical i know that because you told me yours is medical into my woman who is named elizabeth blackwell she was a british woman she was the first woman to receive a medical degree in the u.s what so let's dive in she was born in bristol england Ooh, Bristol. So this is February 3rd, 1821. She comes into the world. Okay. So you're like 40 years behind me. Mm -hmm. So she is one of nine children, five sisters. Fuck. 
Her parents were Samuel and Hannah Blackwell. Her father worked at a sugar refinery. Oh, cute. They had always struggled for money. Because of that, her mother had four aunts, like four of her sisters, I'm assuming, because they said maiden aunts, <clears throat> move in with them. Oh, wouldn't maiden aunts be the dad's sisters? I'm not sure. Whichever side. But four of them. Living with, with the nine kids? Nine children and then the two parents. There's like 16 of them in this Okay, house. but they're poor, so it's literally probably like a one-bedroom... Right. Like a one-room shack. Right. Oh, and I forgot what? to say this, but I got all my information from Wikipedia. Maiden aunts are aunts who have never been married. Four of those women <laughs> lived with them. Holy shit, that probably wow. was a lot of energy. I'm surprised uh, <laughs> she was sane throughout this whole thing. So, it's 1832, she's 11. Her family immigrates to New York in search of a new job for her father because the sugar mill burned down. And he's like, well, everybody's doing this thing where they move to America and all their dreams come true. Let's fucking go. And then, hundred years later, <coughs> surprise. So they don't. They moved to New York originally. After a few years, it said it wasn't very specific, but they decided to up and move to Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh wow. Okay, that's a thing though. I feel like that I, people move to the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, because it's cheaper. It's cheaper. There's more, room. There's more opportunities for jobs yep. because everyone's so crowded. Well, right. And if he was working in a sugar mill, clearly he's like a blue collar worker, so he's yeah. probably looking for more blue collar work. Mm-hmm. And and unless you work at like the docks in New York City, I can't really think of many there's blue not. collar jobs. I mean, I'm sure there's factories in New York City, but not nearly as many as there are per capita in the Midwest. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely not. Um, wow, cool. So Cincinnati now. So Cincinnati. Elizabeth's father, he was a really interesting dude, Samuel. He was heavily involved in his children's education mm. and provided multiple tutors to help reaffirm his liberal views in terms of raising children. So what? at the time, he did not believe in like disciplining his children necessarily. Like he would never beat his children. Both him and the wife, Hannah, were like, they would do things like write down certain offenses that the children would have in a notebook and then like keep score and once they hit a certain number they would like lock them in the attic for like one night for no with no dinner or like something. a time out. Yeah. Exactly like it was a very like it was the opposite of what we have today which is like helicopter parenting. Yeah. It was like well, and also that. that's so different than <clears throat> what it was at that time. Exactly. Because so he was called a liberal. He children. was called this like it was just not a very popular opinion. He was wow. actually considered a congregationalist. This is a reform of Protestant beliefs that focused on the individual. So he believes... Mm, that, he, like, the kids are their own people. Exactly. And they should govern themselves. And that every Damn. child had the right to learn limitlessly. Boy or girl, they had the right to learn as much as they possibly fucking could. This that's why, cool. Yeah, dude, that's why they had tutors, they had governesses that came in and helped them, like, all the time. They got so, to explore <clears> and learn at their own pace which is amazing exactly and yeah so when she was 17 years old her father passed away unfortunately oh, and he mother? left because he spent so much Hannah was still in the picture it really didn't say very much about her I read one thing that said that she may have been a school teacher in her off time as a mother oh. but she's also mothering like nine children yeah well so, and like I don't it sounds like she was just kind of like yeah in the background unfortunately right. like the majority of fucking women exactly. Exactly. Time. 
But anyway, so um, she's 17 and the dad dies. She's 17, he dies. Because of all the money that he poured into the children's education, they were still broke as fuck. Oh. And especially when he died, and I'm sure they had to pay for all that, they're still super, super broke. So in order to come up with some money and some income for the family, her and two of her sisters, Elizabeth and two of her sisters, decide to start a school. Oh, and they. Why did I think you were gonna say like start stripping or something? Oh, like, well, it's the 1800s. I suppose it's I like. Mean, I don't. I don't know. Is there a red light district in Cincinnati? Like, ooh. I don't know. Um, but no, if that's so they a start thing. a school, and they're like school teachers. And what they do is they like charge girls to come there. There's room and board. It's like they put people oh, up, and it's nothing cute. special. They literally just like teach the basic curriculum. But think about a lot of girls who weren't getting that at that time. Exactly. They barely knew how to read. So also- they start this school. Now, in her personal life at this time, not at work, obviously, with her sisters, she's dabbling in studying numerous religions because she's just like fascinated oh. by all types of creed. So, That's cool, it's 1839. She's still in Cincinnati. She's working as a teacher. This guy William Henry Channing comes to Cincinnati. This dude changed her life. He was a charismatic Unitarian minister and he introduced the idea of transcendentalism. A core belief that is the inherent goodness of people and nature, and while society and its institutions have corrupted the purity of the individual, people are at their best when truly self-reliant and independent. That is what he believes, and that is what she starts to believe, and this is what she builds her entire future around, is this ideology, that as long as you're self-reliant, you are good, you are pure. She sees the inherent goodness in people. She sees yeah. kindness. Damn. I mean, in a sense, you know, that is a good motto to live on because at the end of the day, who are you going to be stuck with? Your right. fucking self. Right. You know, so you better be able to, be... you know, cheer yourself up and be your best exactly. friend and do all these things. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, that's She started cool. going to a Unitarian church and due to her role as a school teacher in this conservative community of Cincinnati, there was a backlash Ooh. and the academy, like parents were just pulling their students out because they didn't want them Oh, because you her. know they're whispering about her as they see her around the corner to that church. Exactly. They're like, oh my God, do you see what she's exactly. doing? So yes, yeah, she, as a result, she began to teach <clears throat> private pupils instead. So just be a tutor. Channing's arrival renewed Blackwell's interest in education and reform, ideals initially sparked by her father's core beliefs. She worked at intellectual self-improvement. She studied art. She attended various lectures. She wrote short stories and attended various religious services in all denominations. Quaker, Millerite, Jewish. Just learning it all. She wanted to fucking absorb it all. So now we're in the early 1840s. Okay, so she's in like her mid, what, 20s, I think? Yeah. Yeah. She began to articulate thoughts about women's rights in her diaries and letters and participated in the Harrison political campaign of 1840. Okay. Elizabeth was a good teacher, but it was not her passion. She didn't want to be a teacher anymore. But in 1844, she had taken a teaching job in Henderson, Kentucky to get by. It paid like $1,000 a year. So she moves down to Kentucky to do this job. She lasts six months because she realizes how fucking racist the South is. Well, it's going to say Kentucky. And she can't, she literally cannot deal with the racism. So she runs away and she runs back to Well, because if you think about it, she's being taught 
that. All these things. And, you know, in the North at that time, everyone was like pretty, you know, like racism is not okay. Well, right. You know, like, right. And, and the South was literally like a different right. universe. Right. She said like some of her students would be experiencing it and like it was just way too prevalent and way too real. So she had Ugh. to find something more, quote, fulfilling to do. So she goes back to Ohio. At this time, a friend of hers falls ill okay and she gets treated by this doctor and she makes this really casual remark to elizabeth that she felt that if her doctor was a woman yeah she wouldn't have suffered so much oh. during her treatment because they would have understood and, well yeah. yeah it was just a time where like men thought women were weak they thought our tolerances were just low so you know he's probably she's probably laying there saying you know I, wow this really doesn't make me feel well and he's oh no it's just part of the treatment like you just Which, need to suck it up i'm gonna be honest women are i'm pretty sure this is scientifically proven it's compassionate we're women compassionate. but we're also i would say we have a higher pain tolerance than men a hundred percent well right i mean when you think about the fact that we give birth to people yeah yes and can do it without painkillers i mean it's not easy but yeah you know and you have like cramps and pmsing and all these things and right damn so yeah and how much you want to bet that doctor was really fucking hurting her and she was like this hurts like what are you doing so it was at that moment that she decided that she wanted to learn medicine she wanted to study medicine so she knew she would need money if she were to educate herself in the world of medicine she took a job as a music teacher in North Carolina in order to save up the $3,000 that's it that's how much medical school costs in the 1800s three grand to go to this medical school she moved to North Carolina that is not any better I mean I guess maybe it's good that she went back because yeah, I think yeah she's in Charleston and she was there to study under this dude for anatomy purposes yeah I feel like it's better though that she went back because then you need to see firsthand what's going on to believe that it's real right this is a direct quote allegedly from when she had decided to make this decision she said my mind is fully made up i have not the slightest hesitation on the subject the thorough study of medicine i am quite resolved to go through with the horrors and disgusts i have no doubt of vanquishing i have overcome stronger distaste than any that now remain and feel fully equal to the contest as to the opinion of people I don't care one straw personally, though I take so much pains as a matter of policy to appropriate it and shall always strive to do so. For I see continually how the highest good is eclipsed by the violent or disagreeable forms which contain it. Basically, that whole thing was she like doesn't give a fuck. She's like, I'm fucking doing this. Yeah. Nobody's doing it, but I don't care. I'm going through with it. Yeah. Damn. After leaving Charleston, she studied anatomy privately in Philadelphia. Oh, so she moves to Philadelphia from Charleston. She does not stay in Charleston very long in North Carolina. She moves up to Philadelphia and she's studying anatomy privately with this dude while she's applying to different medical schools. She ends up applying to 12 different medical schools before she finally gets into this one in upstate New York. It's called the Geneva Medical School. Wow. And she was only accepted after all 100, so 150 male students had to vote on whether or not she could come. And 
every single like, one of a- them voted yes. It was unanimous that she could come. But then later we come to find out that it's just because they want to fuck her. <gasps> like literally everyone hits on her. Everyone's trying to get with her. Okay, I'm sorry. And the fact that like your peers need to fucking vote on the you? board, like the board didn't feel comfortable making the decision at the school and made the students fucking vote. Like I don't. And then also the fact that they voted her in just so they could be like, I'm gonna fuck her first. Yuck. Like, get your shit. Like, come on. Her schooling and her clinical experience was extremely challenging. Many of her higher-ups and peers would refuse to fucking help her. Like, while she was giving treatments, while she was making diagnosis. Like, she's in the fucking clinics, and they're just, like, not. They're just ignoring her. They're literally, like, figure it out. Figure it out. (sighs) So she was in the medical wards when the typhoid epidemic is happening. And she ends up writing her thesis on the disease and its inherent roots in socioeconomic struggle. Hell yeah. So ahead of her fucking time, dude. And people didn't like that, duh. Yeah. Because they thought that it was like an isolated event. No, it was literally because like poor people on ships like literally didn't have the access to yeah. clean and then themselves. All those rich people that are taking yeah. like, the fancy cruises are like la 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 la. The typhoid fever is just some weird fluke. So not and only is like... she a woman in the medical industry, now she's a woman writing on socioeconomic issues in relation to healthcare. Yeah. And what, yeah, and the reasons behind yeah. all, yeah. It's fuck, <gasps> dude, she's so Damn. cool. She's so cool. Okay, so here we go. Oh, also, she's 26. Yeah, so she's 26 at this time when she's studying medical school. She finishes medical school in two years. That's how long medical school was. Oh, of course, like, at this change point. the 10? That. Well, <laughs> right, but if you think about, like, back then, all they had was two years worth of shit to tell you, probably. You well, know? I'm gonna be honest, you also, yeah, have to think about that. There was a lot of things that they didn't know about. And so they were just kind of like, this is how you stitch people up. And this is how you make sure they don't die. (laughs) Like, that's all you get. And it was pretty funny because when she was like applying to medical schools, everyone was like, literally, she had one school write to her and tell her to dress up like a man in order to go to medical. That was the only way she was going to go to medical school. Other people, several other schools told her that she would have better luck in Paris for some reason because they were like allegedly more liberal. No, Paris, that is like such a common thing. The French, specifically Paris. So she gets her fucking medical degree in 1849. That's when she receives it in the US. Then after graduating, she actually fucking gets on a fucking boat and goes to Paris. She's like, fuck y'all. All right, I will try my hand in Paris. Okay? Get <laughs> she's there. like, thanks for the idea, bitches. And she's met with even more resistance. What? She had. Yes. What she does there is she studies under one of the most world-renowned obstetricians. He refuses to train her as a doctor and will only let her study as a student quote, student midwife. By the time she finishes the program, quote unquote, which was six months of studying under this dude, he made a fucking formal statement in the newspaper that said if she returned to the US and started practicing obstetrician, she would be the best in the country without a doubt, from the words of his fucking mouth. Like, wait, so at first he was like, you can't do all this shit. You can't. He's like, I won't train you as and a physician. And then he's like, let me eat my own shit while I write this amazing yep. review about you. Yep. He literally like opened his mouth, put his own foot in his fucking mouth and was like, she's actually 
the fucking best. Well, good. I'm happy that he admitted it because most guys will be like, I never said that. I, I never doubted you for one second. So this is before she helps with the Civil War because she does. Eventually she, when the Civil War, I'll just tell you now because it's not a timeline situation. But in the Civil War, she assembles nurses. She trains nurses oh, and doctors. gets them ready. She gets yeah, them all together. Like, that yeah. was like one faction of so what she did. So when she's back, so she literally was like, I had better luck in New York City. I'm going to head back to New York City and I'm going to try to open up my own practice. The first Good year did not go oh. well. She did oh, get some press back. in the New York Times, mainly because she was a woman and it was like, you know, a woman run practice. Like women doctors or especially were viewed as like abortionists. Oh. Like those were the people, those were the doctors who did abortions. She didn't believe in contraceptives, abortion. She believed in like the calendar method, which oh. was like, just track your fucking cycle and don't fuck and, with anything. And you will ovulate during from these times. Exactly. Don't have sex. I touched okay. on that like a minor bit. Honestly, but yeah. I had this conversation with Danielle when she came to visit. We the talked all method. about, yes, the rhythm method yes. and the temperature method. And once you know your body, yeah. you're golden. Yeah. You know, you just really got to get in tune. Yeah. But she was the one that believed in that shit. She was all about like building of morals in medicine is really what she was all about. Like realistic expectations and what you don't want to get pregnant. Literally do this. We Track don't, your cycle. We don't need know. to intervene. Yeah. So natural in the sense of like, let's try all these natural methods first. And like, obviously there's medication for it. She's almost like learning about the non-medication Listen to side. your body. Yeah. Right. God damn. She's cool. So because her clinic isn't doing that well, she decides to open up a dispensary, which at the time is not a weed dispensary. An but apothecary. Just, yep. Just okay. like a pill place, pill mill, whatever. Then four years after that, her sister Emily had also followed in her footsteps and obtained a medical degree. She expanded on Blackwell's original dispensary into something called the New York Infirmary for Indigent Women and Children. And I believe indigent, is that what they used to refer to indigenous people as? No, I almost feel like that's like... Poor or needy. Women served on the board of the trustees (laughs) at this place, on the executive committee, and as the attending fucking physicians. So you were treated by women. All the decisions were made by women. Everyone that worked there was women. Wait, so this was her sister, Emily, that did this. Well, yeah, she took... Blackwell was involved. Elizabeth was also involved because it was like her initial dispensary. But Emily took it and fucking ran with it. Oh, I see. So Emily came over and we're like, let's work together. And Emily was the business side. She was like, we got to do some shit. After this happened, her patient load doubled in the second year. So she was like doing super great. Later in life, she would adopt a daughter who she would the description of her was half daughter half medical assistant so she like trained her in her methods yeah that's what she was kind Shut of referred up. to as yeah is that why well, she, she adopted, adopted her like later I think she was like 15 or so when did she, she do that her. so she'd have an assistant I think I think so nothing said that she was asexual because I don't really think that was like a thing back she then sound? I mean it was a thing back then but yeah. it wasn't a term necessarily she had no suitable partner she had like a weird little fling with her adopted daughter's suitor or something like he wanted her but she was not interested wow and so she she just, never took a lover she re- she refuted yeah. all of those attempts by all the people at the medical schools like she was just never into it she never wanted wow. a partner like that she was super focused on herself That's so she was very active in numerous social issues that were undergoing reform but it was almost when you read the list it's like too many things and so because of that she saw very little results because she was like involved in so many campaigns and yeah, so many things that, that like work. everything just 
fizzled out. Like, for example, she started like an anti-slavery after school club for like African-American people to come. It was like so bizarre. And she would do like really specific niche things that were like almost too yeah. much so. So then they flopped. Okay, this know? also sounds like a similar thing like stay in your lane. Dude, Elizabeth, dude, stay in your lane. Stay in your fucking lane. Stay in your lane, girl. Um, just like, you know what you're good at. Do that. So, oh, we just talked about that. She fought against sex work because she just hated the fact that women had to turn to sex work. Obviously, if it was a choice, then that's one thing. And she, like we said, was against contraceptive. She pushed rhythm method instead. She also became a lecturer, just like your lady. She continued to speak on tons of different topics, including the importance of educating women in general and in medicine. And she would teach people about real world applicable knowledge about prepping young women for motherhood, like teenage women for motherhood, which is really dope. I'm going to be honest, at that time, like you were getting pregnant at 16, got married at 12. That's very, got married at 12. Like, unfortunately. Got the back- family farm at 14. Yeah, seriously. Like, cause you died by the time you're like 50. That's crazy to think how much longer we live now. Yeah. There's people that are in their hundreds. And they're oh, did you want the bunk? Still going I'm almost done here. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, so it's 1874. Blackwell worked together with, and just it, let me know if you recognize any of these names, because you'll recognize all of them. Florence Nightingale, Sophia Jex Blake, Elizabeth Garrett Anderson, Emily Blackwell, her sister, and Tomix Henry Huxley, which I've definitely heard his name before, Yeah. to create the first medical school for women in England, London School of Medicine for Women, which she acted as chair of hygiene. She settled in England, and in the 19, or 1870s, <coughs> she continued working and expanding the profession of medicine for women. She influenced as many as 476 women to becoming registered medical professionals in England alone. Oh my God. So almost 500 women. She was holidaying in Scotland and she fell down the fucking stairs. Oh. No, she fell down the stairs and she was completely mentally and physically disabled. But that didn't stop her. She lived another fucking three years, but then she suffered a stroke in three years down the line and she died. And... This is sad. This is terrible. So yeah, I feel bad. I clearly she probably had a really rough last three years, you know, because she was disabled from the accident. But well, and you have to think about all that recovery time. Mm-hmm. And in the 1800s, like, ugh, and then she had a stroke and it like time. paralyzed half her body or some Aww. shit, and she died like the same day. And that was in 1910. That's so sad. And wow. we know nothing about nothing her. Nothing. I don't know if I learned any history about any medical profession. I don't know why that's not like a very common. So thing her in main school. contribution to medicine, she mm-hmm. did a lot of advances in the terms of tying the socioeconomic conditions to medical conditions. Yeah, and I feel like she like made the path, you know. So right. she, whenever they say the whole thing, like she climbed the ladder and right, then, like right, 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 strung right, right. a bag down for them or whatever. Yeah, you know. But she was. She was like that's what she. But brought. think about it. Without my chick, your chick probably wouldn't have gotten that far. Definitely not. Because you have to think about that. Yeah, like just within 40 years, it went from women being in medicine is like an abomination Mm -hmm. to a woman winning two Nobel Prizes for all of her scientific and... And yet neither one of them was in... Ever talked about. And that's... I feel like that's some important shit that we need to know. Things that we use all the time and things that we take for granted. Yeah. We should know where they came from and who started them. Because I think some people do take medical advances. It's also just like, let's fucking recognize that women have always fucking struggled. And like, we always come Mm -hmm. second. And we our our story Mm 
there's always a come up and like part of me loves that and another part of me fucking hates that yeah. because it's like it should just be the way it is like like, you, like if someone did some cool shit you should tell about it so whatever I'm, I'm seeing... really happy we both chose medical people well I, I think we are coming a very long way and a rapid pace with yeah. this whole COVID like vaccine and shit well, and, and I the think testing that's a big even. thing that I thought about is that like I saw this chart the other day on Instagram and it was like the evolution of vaccines oh so then it was this bar graph and it showed all the vaccines and then how long it fucking took them to figure it out and at the beginning when they're doing like polio and the measles and all that other shit mm -hmm. it's literally like years like 25 because nobody years. was either listening to women or nobody was communicating with each yeah. other maybe the people in the medical field weren't talking to the scientists and weren't talking to the physicists right. and weren't talking to you know the people who are in it every day mm -hmm. you know and th there was just that disconnect and now when they're creating the COVID vaccine and all the other ones because you can get a vaccine for that shit now. Oh, but now yeah, it's yeah. like the little timeline is like beep two no to three years yeah like so small but yeah like think oh. of all the cool shit that women wow. have created well I think that's it until next time yeah Thanks exciting for... stuff I'm excited to see Thanks who you have next cheers let's cheers it cheers. out cheers there we go